Hey, Carl and Morgan. Efficiency has, of course, been the word of the year so far for the tech sector. Now, even Chamath Paul Hapatia's back king and backer of unprofitable companies like Open Door and Virgin Galactic is fully on the bandwagon. In his letter, annual letter, released this week, he writes, as we enter a sustained period of non-zero interest rates, discipline of mission must now also, in, also intersect with discipline of management and operation, efficiency, risk management, business model fundamentals, and most importantly, sustained profitability are must-haves, not nice-to-haves. Now, this is, of course, a sharp turnaround, and he acknowledges that from the low interest rate days during which he, by the way, pitched deeply unprofitable companies to retail investors as SPACs. He now calls rising rates akin to, quote, having cold water thrown in our faces. And a look at the performance of his SPACs over the last 16 months really does get that point across. Open Door, SoFi, Virgin Galactic, and Clover, they have all lost 60% or more of their market value since January of 2020. So like Zuckerberg, Paul Hapatia, he has found religion and efficiency and he is all in. He says the mathematical truth of high interest rates is that it renders unprofitable companies valueless. He touches on the private markets and venture capital as well to make a point that we've been making over the past few months as well. And that is there is a major revaluation of startups happening amid this tougher financing environment. And as a result, we haven't seen the kind of markdowns that we've seen in other areas like IPOs and Backs. This chart you're looking at on the screen um, really says it all. And we call it La La Land for VCs. Paul Hapatia calls it a fantasy world. And he says that the best VCs will take their markdowns early to preserve their credibility. And guys, there is some discrepancy we've talked about in the past that they can take when valuing their portfolios. Yeah, we were having a little bit of this conversation in terms of the mismatch where valuations are concerned earlier in the show. But but, but D, I'm just wondering, given, given all of this commentary from Palihapitiya, does that mean that he has changed the way he's investing? I mean, any updates in terms of, in terms of what he's investing in right now and, and how that's different? You know, he, he does make a big case. He's been on this energy bent for a while now, so that's where he's looking. But, I mean, really, this profitability drive, you guys mentioned before the break, he only mentioned SPAC, what, three times? He mentioned profitability. I did a quick search 10 times. You know, this is the guy that brought these deeply unprofitable companies to market. So like many in the space, he has done a turnaround. And, you know, that's a common theme among many VCs. And you could argue they change when the market changes. But certainly this efficiency bent is not just for Zuckerberg. It's been nearly a month since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and the tech sector has emerged largely unscathed. In fact, it's rallied and was the best performer in the first quarter. Meta led the way higher, up a whopping 76%. Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Alphabet, the parent company of Google, also posting big gains. But my next guest expects the good times to continue despite that recent run. Joining me for today's edition of Tech Check is Sam Lesson, partner at Slow Ventures, also CNBC's anchor of the Tech Check desk. Deirdre Bosa joins us for the conversation as well. Uh, Deirdre, we, we've seen and watched this mega cap story play out. Just how important is that <laughs> mega cap tech trade still to the overall market narrative? It is hugely important and a big test coming up in the form of earnings seasons. I mean, big tech is back and we see more of the market concentrated in some of these names. So if they disappoint, that is going to have a wider effect, as you very well know, Dom, on the broader markets. Um, But I will say that there is a disconnect between 
public and private tech stocks. The big are getting bigger once again. But in the wake of the collapse of SVB, you're seeing the private market, the startup ecosystem, face even more pressure than it was already under. Sam, this is an interesting point because there hasn't been so much focus on the financial ties that kind of bind venture capital firms to their companies in a while. The Silicon Valley Bank's failure really kind of triggered a lot of scrutiny on there. Has it been as bad as as people have been reporting on that that Silicon Valley Bank had ties to nearly half of all VC-backed companies in America? You know, look, I think first let me start off by saying I couldn't agree more that I think the big tech is the big story here. And I'm very bullish that we'll continue to see a ton of of uh, upward swing on those those names. I mean, the reality is is they're incredibly well positioned with AI and a lot of the, the future coming out, owning the distribution and the data. And you know, look, people forget software is an incredible business. You can change how you look at growth or profitability pretty quickly as long as you have kind of the gusto to really go deep and run a business, which the big names have shown they do. So I think that is the bigger story in terms of the startup ecosystem. Look, SVB, everyone feels like we dodged a bullet. Um, you know, a pretty big one at that. But the reality is, is where it is right now, it kind of feels like a no-op. I think, you know, people are going to be a little smarter about how they manage their cash going forward. But I think the answer is, you know, that was a very scary week, not going to have a long-term impact on things. Um, And, you know, the the ecosystem is the ecosystem. You know, there's... Yeah, sorry. Not a long-term impact, Sam. I mean, it's created a much tougher financing environment. I mean, if you're a cash-burning startup or you need a line of credit, you can't turn to the big banks very easily. And as you said, big tech is getting bigger. Isn't that problematic? Well, I I think for what it's worth, there's no question that if you look at AI and a lot of the mega trends that people are excited about right now, big tech is way better positioned than the startup ecosystem. You know, there's an incredible amount of money being poured this week, this month into AI startups. I expect most of that to go to zero, not because I don't believe in the tech, but because I don't think it's as great as startup opportunities people think. That said, from a fundamentals perspective, I, you know, Silicon Valley Bank was an incredibly good partner to a lot of startups. I don't think that the financing options you know, available to startups um, are highly dependent on the existence of Silicon Valley Bank or the, uh, exactly how they're operating. Good companies, you know, again, are going to get the financing they need. Um, there's plenty of VC out there. Everyone's being a little more conservative because there's no IPO market and there's no late stage market. You know, Series A's are harder to do. Um, prices are down from where they are. But you know, there, there's plenty of strength still in the VC ecosystem. And mm-hmm. I actually think compared to where we were a few months ago, you're starting to see some fresh shoots. Um, you're seeing more deals actually getting done, uh, more rationality in pricing in a bunch of places. So I think that you know, the next six months will be not as bad as the last six months. Okay, so Deirdre, I, I want to tilt this conversation because I want to I want to be sure that we hit a little bit of the the story around some of these big tech leaders meeting with government officials yeah. with regard to what's happening in, in our relationship, the U.S.'s tech relationship and media relationship with China. It's going to be a huge trend over the next 10, 20, 30 years, yeah. this kind of battle of competition between us and China. Uh, uh, Deirdre, I'll I'll go to you first for this. What exactly are we expecting with regard to the content or what comes out of some of these meetings between these government officials and tech CEOs? 
I mean, the beneficial part is that this is happening behind closed doors. So you can maybe have a more candid conversation between lawmakers, say, and Apple, which is hugely dependent on China, not just for its supply chain manufacturing, but for its customers as well. I mean, this is what has separated Apple from other companies, that huge amount of success that they've seen among Chinese customers that companies like Google and Meta have not had access to. So I think that the big tech companies, Apple in particular, it's going to have to explain their China um, policy and how they're going to diversify to this China plus one strategy um, because they're feeling the pressure. So as we see geopolitical tensions rise, lawmakers are going to have some of these tough questions and they're going to be very interested in those future manufacturing plans, whether they be in India or right here in the U.S. And that's going to change the cost proposition and the supply chain for Sa the big tech companies. Sam, this is an excellent point here. And by the way, the reason why this is so key is because this is, in fact, going to be a race between the U.S. and China. It's, it was supercomputing for a number of years. It still is. But AI is the offshoot of that supercomputing arms race. And now you have investments that are spanning different parts of the market as well, both here in the U.S., Chinese companies investing here, and even our companies investing in technology in China. What exactly does that race look like from a venture capitalist perspective? You know, look, you know, the information yesterday broke the story that Sequoia has, is now backing the biggest competitor to open AI in China with American LP dollars. And that threw up a bunch of pretty heated Twitter discussions um, online about what we should and shouldn't be doing, you know, and how you think about kind of some of these international competitions. You know, show at TikTok and other information, you know, exclusive was saying about a third of their, his reports are literally in policy roles. So this is the story. You know, we haven't had to contend with an anti-globalization trend in a long time. So, you know, Silicon Valley and, and VC has grown up in a world of increasing globalization. And so, you know, there's been a lot that's fair game. There is no question that the tensions with China and how you think about AI, its applications and its uses, even in today's form, where it's just very powerful for things like misinformation, potentially, are a big deal. Um, and I do think that some battle lines are going to have to be redrawn. There's going to need to be comprehensive policy about how we think about this stuff and where we're willing to internationally collaborate versus compete, for sure. 